TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 570, and I'm Libby, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is you, Sun, costume designer and TV enthusiast calling in from Los Angeles. Hi, this is Tom. I chair the communication department at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Six Degrees of Geek. All right, let's start off with the news. Tom, hit us. What you got? Lots of news. ABC has announced that the Goldbergs will end with the current season 10. Amazon picked up the peripheral for season two. Yay. Margot Martindale and Chris Diamantopoulos will star in the sitcom The Sticky from producer Jamie Lee Curtis about the great Canadian maple syrup heist. I'm in. Uh, Nicole Kidman and Jamie Lee Curtis, she's having a good good week, are teaming up for a K Scarpetta series based on the Patricia Cornwall novels. AMC has uh, canceled Soulmates, reversing its season two renewal. There's a lot of that going around. And they've announced that Walking Dead colon Daryl Dixon spinoff has added five, including Anne Charrier from The Last Deadly Mission and Eric Ebenoy from Fox Hunt. And the premise is Daryl washes up in France and struggles to recall how he got there and why. Oh, good lord! Whatever. Apple TV Plus. How, he got to France. No, from Virginia. I'm done with The Walking Dead. Uh, Apple TV <laughs> Plus picked up Tehran for season three. They announced they announced that Sam Ismail's Metropolis series adaptation has cast Brianna Middleton from Sharper, a movie that just dropped Friday on on Apple TV Plus, as the lead, and Lindy Booth from The Librarians in a supporting role. And Daniel Day Kim will star in an executive produced Butterfly, a spy thriller adapted from a graphic novel. It's going to shoot in South Korea and feature both Korean and English. CBS renewed nine series, including CSI Vegas, NCIS, NCIS Hawaii, uh, and a bunch of reality shows we don't really care about. Uh, Disney Plus canceled Big Shots and Mighty Ducks Game Changers. And their MC, uh, Kevin Feige, announced a plan to slow the output of their MCU shows. There was the longest wait so far has been 14 weeks between Hawkeye and Moon Knight, and the shortest was the two days between the end of Moon Knight and Doctor Strange 2. Uh, as a result, Echo and Ironheart are most likely pushed till 2024. Only Secret of Invasion and Loki season two are assured to drop this year. Hallmark hits. Hallmark has renewed When Calls the Heart for season 11 ahead of the season 10 premiere. HBO has announced Succession will end with season 4. Boo! Uh, the, True Bo- the True Blood reboot is DOA, and An- Avenue 5 has been canceled. Somebody probably finally watched it and realized it is so unfunny. <laughs> yeah, so Mo- how do you explain Big Shot and... Because oh, Disney you. is cutting back. Everybody's cutting back on original series because they were overspending. They were throwing. They were using the p- throw paint at the wall and see what sticks approach, and everybody's hemorrhaging money. Uh, White Lotus is no longer eligible for the limited series Emmy, so it will have to compete in either the comedy or the drama series for season three. 
Uh, HBO Max Hacks is going to pause production so Jean Smart can recover from a heart procedure. We wish her well. We love her. Uh, the Penguin has added Renzi Feliz from Runaways to the cast. They've given a series order for the crime drama Duster from J.J. Abrams and LaToya Morgan with Josh Holloway from Lost and Rachel Hilson from Love, Victor set to star. They've ordered an It prequel series, Welcome to Derry, and inexplicably, Discovery Plus is going to remain a standalone streamer after the merger with HBO Max. Netflix has bought the Dead Boy Detective series from HBO Max. They've also acquired the Showtime limited series Ripley with Andrew Scott in the title role. They've ordered the limited series The Madness with Coleman Domingo from Fear the Walking Dead, and he won an Emmy for guest starring in Euphoria. Uh, sadly, Mindhunter is officially dead, no season three. And Outer Banks was picked up for season four ahead of the season three premiere. Paramount Network, the rumor mill is buzzing on two things. One, that Kevin Costner is becoming difficult to schedule because uh, he's got other projects going on. And the other big rumor is that they are wooing Matthew McConaughey to be the big name in the spinoff, The Four Sixes. Well, what I heard is that uh, Kevin Costner wants to do, he's got four feature films that are supposed to film back to back to back because I know somebody on the crew. Mm -hmm. So, and he doesn't want to go back to Yellowstone. He wants to do his, his projects that he's got. And so he's doing these films for a full year. Wow. Back to back to back to back. It's each movie is three to four months and they're taking one month off between each feature and he's directing and starring in all of them. Wow. Damn. Sounds like so I want to go back to Yellowstone. Exactly. So that whole he's getting difficult to find in his schedule is look, I booked myself doing other stuff. I don't want to come back to your show is really what it is. And I'm sure after season five, his contract's probably up for renewal. Uh, Paramount, exactly. Paramount Plus has announced, oh, sorry, Paramount Plus with Showtime has announced that Mary Elizabeth Winstead will join Ewan McGregor in a Gentleman in Moscow series. Barry Pepper is joining David Ayelowo and Dennis Quaid in the Bass Reeves series, along with Forrest Goodluck and Lauren E. Banks. A Trinity Killer Dexter spinoff is in the works. Why? And multiple billion spinoffs, including millions and trillions, are being developed. <laughs> That sounds super original. Uh, And they also canceled Blood and Treasure. Peacock picked up Poker Face for season two. Sam Neill is joining Annette Bening in a limited series, Apples Never Fall, based on the Leanne Moriarty novel. And they set the voice cast for In the Know, an adult animated comedy from Mike Judge and Zach Woods, starring their voices. And they're joined by four others, the most prominent of whom is Jay Smith Cameron from Succession. Uh, Showtime has also rescued Uncoupled with Neil Patrick Harris after Netflix canceled it. Uh, Stars is developing a Spartacus sequel series with creator <gasps> tonight. Hmm. They picked up the three women series, which Showtime canceled despite season one being completed. Shailene Woodley stars with Betty Gilpin and Blair Underwood. And finally, uh, Miscellaneous, a Faulty revi- Towers revival is set at Castle Rock entertainment with john cleese and his daughter camilla cleese set to write and star that could be fun Hmm. all right that was a lot of news all right let's get started first up we're going to talk the rookie and uh 
we normally would talk all the episodes we missed, but we're not going to do that this time. Uh, Tom, what was the episode that we were going to talk about? Because it's you the one where Nolan, this week. Nolan goes back home with his fiance and finds out mom was doing very bad things. Well, I mean, and we knew mom was doing bad things. We just didn't realize the level how of bad they were. <laughs> right. And I <laughs> like that the that the sh- local sheriff was like, when are you leaving? Because not people don't usually get shot this much. <laughs> uh, so I liked the whole catastrophe of his mom, like hiding heroines in, in her stuff and having some drugs crazy- and all kinds yeah, of stuff. just crazy deals. And people like, I need my heroin back. And he's like, what? And the guys come up to him with their guns like he's going to be intimidated. And he's like, yeah, I got one of those, too. What are you talking about? Also, I'm a cop. So, yeah, not really feeling the the fear that you guys want me to. Meanwhile, in L.A., all those that plot line was completely devoted to that storyline that none of us care about with our 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 favorite not drug kingpin. And Elijah? his competitor, yes, and, Elijah. Him, and it doesn't go. And of course, at the end of the episode, he and his rival t- decide that they're going to do an alliance Work together. It's like, oh my gosh, has nobody told them that nobody that audiences don't like this plot line? The more time you spend <laughs> on it, the less time we like it. Well, here's the I thing. Know. Here, here's go the ahead. thing. I think that, um, on it, honestly, I think maybe they do know, but they've, you know, written themselves into a corner. I mean, a long time ago, and they thought, well, let's bring back the Mexican aspect of it because that was actually kind of interesting. I mean, it was. But they could have ended it last. They could have ended in this episode. Yeah. And they kept it going. I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, the lesser of two evils. You know what I mean? Like they don't have anything more to go with with him. And, uh, you know, and if he's still in it and his contract's paid, they're like, I guess we have to write. He's not, he's not a, he's not a contract player. I'm teasing. I'm I'm just saying that as far as keeping him on, if they have, at least I think that this is the only way they can sort of, if not save the storyline, at least, you know, do something with it. Cause no, it's still not working for me. He's not interesting as a character. And I don't like the actor either, you know, uh, not personally. Also, his hair bothers me a lot. I've seen him play a good guy, and he was decent, but I I do not like him as a bad guy. He's as threatening as my dog. Yes! (laughs) I don't find him scary or intimidating. What are you going to do, whip your dreads at me? Woo! (laughs) That's so funny. Um, Yeah, you know what, though? I I, I did like... uh, I won't belabor it because you guys talked about it the other thing, but I just want to I, I just want to move to the next episode because I didn't finish watching it. But I, I it struck me very early on that, like, um, I really like what they're doing. I, you know, it's sort of like um, it reminded me, uh, you know, like it, the point is it was a Valentine's Day special and uh, they fo- they focused on like the couples, you know what I mean, which makes sense. Um, and, but it was like the anti Valentine's day show. Cause it, you know, they focused on all the difficulties and, you know, I, I, we talk about it all the time, but I really, I love that, um, they really know how to handle the out of office, you know, stuff. And, uh, and now they've moved into the couples, like almost everybody's coupled up. And I thought that would be annoying. Like, I really thought that that would be annoying, but it's not, I mean, we've been with the show for so long and we, we genuinely have a connection with all these people. And I think we, I think we like most of the ships. So, um, yeah, it, the, the show just continues to, you know, just make me sort of comfort foodie, you know, like to watch the people I like doing the things they like to do. 
Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I didn't quite finish the whole episode, but it kind of doesn't matter. Right guys. Cause I don't care about the, you know, the actual, you know, plot. Well, I mean, except that in this particular episode, well, you keep talking, like take over. No, no. I'm just, I'm just saying in the Valentine's day episode, seeing the end was kind of important because they showed you all the problems yes. and then at the end they resolve everyone's yes, no, problems. I figured, no, I mean, it's the rookie. You know what I mean? And it's a Valentine's Day show. So that that's my point. You're making my point for me. I don't even need to see the end. And like the, the episode charms me. So yeah, no, I figured it, that was the point, you know, that it would be like, oh, look how difficult having a relationship is. And then everything would be tied up real pretty. Because, you know, it's not like we're following one couple and it's like a three-story arc about some larger fight or whatever. It was lots of little things, you know, really cute. And I thought, well, this well, is- Well, I mean, the, the main one that I think was important was 10 and um yes chen and chen that she lied yeah oh okay. he, he had he had a very valid reason for being mad at her yep yep yep. and yep. it doesn't really get resolved until she because at first she was trying to play it off like well i did the right thing and, and she's she is somewhat right about it but because she was like if i didn't do this you would have never done it right and he acknowledged that he was like yeah you're not wrong Right. But she shouldn't have made it, kept it a secret. Sure. And and it and it was humiliating for him to find out that way. Yeah. And she had to acknowledge that and acknowledge that. And then once once they did that, they were fine. Right. Um, but anyway, let's move on. The rookie was good. It always pretty much is, except for the whole Elijah-ness of it all. Yeah. Oh, good lord. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Next up, we're gonna talk about Will Trent. And this week's episode, or not this week's, but two weeks ago, because that's the last one that Tom watched, right? Uh, I think I watched it also. It's the one with the um, <clears throat> veteran who is the baby daddy of the... She's not a rookie. No, she's his Will partner. Trent's his office partner mate. Now. His, his partner, his partner, okay. right. So it's it's her baby daddy, and he is he, he has, like, PTSD, and he basically... What, the thing that's weird is I have to keep remembering they had their son really young. Oh, yeah. Because all three of them looked like they could be siblings. It was really like, I was like, wait, you're his father? Huh? Like, they just all look really young. Um, they do but, remind you on the show, even. Like, you know what I mean? I know, they have to, because yeah. I was like, wait, you're who, what, when? Yeah. But I liked how they showed his PTSD and the reason that she feels responsible for his PTSD. I like how they broke that all down. And how, you know, she really is like, well, I just can't leave him out in the cold. I have to help him. And you get why she feels responsible. Like, that stuff, yes, is personal. I have no idea what the case was for that week's episode at all. Other than, oh, it was he got paranoid. He thought somebody was trying to kill him. But right. actually, they were killing his neighbor or his landlords. And because they stole his ID to steal a thing. Yeah. The thing some, there's a thing. Um. But I like the characters. I what I do not like now, though, now that we're like six, seven episodes into the show, I don't like uh, Will Trent's girlfriend and her and her partner, Angie, who are like her, yeah, is, Angie is yeah. is uh, F buddy. Yeah, well, I think they're a little. I feel like they're a little more than that now. But um, her partner that she has, they work like one floor below them for the regular cops. Right. Their storylines are routinely boring. 
Yeah. And I don't care about their cases. I don't care about them being partners. I don't and... actually like that actor either. I liked right. I liked right. him on um uh, Quantico. That's where I know him from. And I actually thought he was quite good. And I thought he would get more stuff once Quantico um ended. And I kept looking for stuff with him in it. Like, not on IMDb, but just like when shows rolled out, I thought, oh, his beautiful eyes. Um, and he had like a certain swag on Quantico. And he was a good... Uh, romantic lead he 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 had a lead role opposite the lead lead um so i was excited to see him in this and i thought oh he'll bring a little fire and he'll bring those pretty eyes oh nope nope he is so clearly supporting to yes. angie it's yes all of sad. it yeah no i don't like i don't like his role and i and i don't frankly like him in it so yeah that's yeah, yeah. i agree with you yeah, so that, that part is really not working yep um but anyway let's move on i don't have anything more to say about will trent other than i like his character but and i like the i like the personal start side of the story the cases are mediocre but i'm still in it uh next up we're gonna talk about poker face and i'm gonna let allison start this off <laughs> we're gonna talk about the dinner theater episode and the race car driver episode so, Allison, um, what did you think? Um, you know, I, I think I probably liked this episode, uh, the, the Dinner Theater one, more than you did. I thought, I thought it was um, it was interestingly written. The, the, my problem with these episodes, and we've talked about this before, and this one is particularly egregious uh, because it just goes on forever, is that forever. they do <laughs> not know how to introduce her um, in a timely fashion. The, the setup... Is for all of these episodes recently, it's just taking way too long. And this just, this was like a, a little novel. Almost in, like in its 30 own. minutes. It was really it was long. Really, minutes, we were watching yeah. a one act play, you know, all, all you know, by itself. Before I she ever watched the whole play. Yeah. It was, it was <laughs> you know, I mean, it just went on. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, this, this would be great if they'd figured out how to get it down, you know, before the commercial break. But um, it's, it's just crazy you know they, this this show has a columbo feel to it you know they they use the same gimmick but with columbo columbo did come in right after the first commercial break <laughs> like we have we show the thing happening you know it's it's and and they managed to get the relationships together and the murder and all of that and boom columbo comes in and investigates and right. they should do this much more economically with her. So, so even though I liked overall the concept behind the story, these two washed up actors who are, who are trying to, uh, you know, it looks like they're trying to do a comeback. What they're really trying to do is set themselves up financially for life. Um, and it, it, all of that was was interesting and clever and would have been great to do. And having done um local theater and things like that the little bits that they had the little little tidbits they threw in here and there were were fun to watch they're they're amusing for, for if you've ever done that kind of thing but I, even even so it's just you're just waiting for her to come in and you're going is this going to be a, a, a episode where she just doesn't show up at all is that the surprise um <laughs> so, yeah, it yeah was, it's it just goes on i will say I got about 15 minutes in and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And so I just started fast forwarding. Oh, <laughs> I fast forwarded until she showed Then you lose. I didn't, I didn't then care. You lose a lot of stuff. Though, I right? don't, that's, but that's the problem with this show. Right. Is that but it's there. <laughs> no, but it's not. I do not care. 
And that's why I said this show is very hit or miss for me. Sure. If they can do the setup properly and get me into it, like the race car driver one was much faster. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, okay, I get what's happening. All right. And then we're right in and we're into the story. The dinner theater took way too, like I couldn't stand it. Well, I could not stand watching them do another scene of this freaking play. Okay, uh, so I was I, like, I, no. I, I, my, my, I didn't watch the second one. So I'll just talk really quickly about this one because I feel like I'm contrasting to everybody else's. So, which is, I can't disagree with anything you guys are saying. And it's taking, it, it is an ungodly amount of time. But I don't know, for this one in particular, I kind of didn't mind because like what Allison said is I've never done dinner theater, but they, uh, but the, or community theater, anything like that. But I don't know. I liked all the like little things and the, this, and it, it gave it a lot of texture and, you know, this and that. I thought yeah. the acting was, was good. Uh, you know, and the, I thought the plot twist, you know, I mean, it's not like we've never heard of that plot twist or seen it, but so, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm, I agree with everything everybody is saying, but it's not taking away from the show. I think I'm a little more with Allison, but maybe even a little past her. I liked the episode. I really did. I, uh, there is, there is that waiting period, but as much as I like Natasha Leone, I sort of felt like she was an afterthought in this episode. She really was, mm-hmm. um, like a hundred percent. Uh, but I don't necessarily love her so that it's not like oh i'm missing her as an actress although but i i missed the point of the story which yeah, is no it was, solving it, was an afterthought. it yeah. like I, I agree but i mean at the same time i don't know i found the and the episode entertaining i'll stop talking i thought it was um, a complete it was a complete ripoff of the play death trap sure in terms oh, yeah. of to, sure. but well, I, yeah. I think that was kind of the point that yes. was that was they were they were undermining wait, wait. that concept yes the, the fact that it was so easy for us to figure out that the co-star figures it out. It's like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, come on, people. Uh, the, race, the race car episode two, the race car driver episode was really much more, uh, I, I thought it was more succinct, especially because when Natasha Leone confronts um, Tim Blake Nelson, she, she actually withholds for a change. And I then, know. I said, "Oh my God, you did it!" And yes. Then, <laughs> and then he confesses himself, but then right. she figures out double twist that the young race car driver is a, and a jerk, and yeah. and you know basically arranged it so Tim Blake Nelson's daughter would have a near fatal accident. So yeah, I, they really for season two they really need to take a long hard look at mixing up the format. Because Columbo, it was the cold opening back in a 90-minute movie. These are like 45, 50-minute episodes. And when you take 10, 15, 20 minutes to get to your star's intro, no bueno. Yeah. I agree. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, I'm not quite giving it a thumbs up. So... Um, I'm giving it more of a thumbs up than you are, I think. But they, they do have problems that they need to address structurally. All right. Let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk uh, Mayfair Witches. And I wanted to talk the finale, but technically speaking, it doesn't quite air until tonight, even though we got it a little early. So we'll talk about the episode before. Um, so episode that or episodes? Uh, is there two? There's like two before, right? I can't no, remember. Go ahead, Tom. Do you remember? Go ahead. No, basically, six was, six was all about um, doing doing a doing a ceremony so 
they oh, uncouple, to get rid of her. Yeah, uncouple, uncouple her Lasher from Rowan, right. and it succeeds with her cousin who wants more power. And of course, you know, asking. Well, when you say succeeds, not <laughs> really. Well, theoretically succeeds, and she okay. pro- she promptly gets kidnapped by witch hunters, right. and uh, including the creepy dude from uh, the peripheral. Well, what's crazy about that is they do the ceremony. He's like, are you really sure you want to uncouple? And she's like, yes, absolutely. And so she, he's like, all right. But I really don't feel he did not connect with the new girl. I mean, he didn't melt her face like he did that oh, other, other woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he definitely did not give her any power. He was well, not she, interested in her. He was actually a Mayfair in terms of bloodline. So. Right. And then, the, you know, it was kind of a two-parter because Rowan's got to rescue her and the mom's real mad at Rowan because this is your fault. It was just like, uh, I'm over that because your daughter wanted more power. Right. Um, but it ends tragically. And uh, you know what didn't, I thought- No, but was, what I did like her just killing everybody. That was oh, kind of yeah. awesome. Yeah. What I didn't like, the flashbacks, they looked bad. Oh yeah, the production value oh of the uh, 1800s is like horrible. I'm like, are it's you like, in somebody's it's backyard? It's yeah. like the 1600s, the Holy yeah. Grail is your reference for these flashbacks. I know. Winner. It's like, and it looks, and it looks like they only got enough for like a driveway. So like they have just like <laughs> half an alley, and then they you have got an alley like, and a cabin. So I know that's all they have. Focus. <laughs> Actually, the thing that kills me most with the flashbacks is that they're all speaking English, albeit with a thick accent. I, and I get subtitles. It's I know, right? It's Scottish, but it's Scottish accent. Right, yeah, right. but the, but we get subtitles, and I'm like, they're speaking English. What are you doing? <laughs> Although one little tidbit I thought was interesting that they revealed that Lasher specifically wanted uh, the black dude to impregnate Rowan, right? In the house. Which is like, ooh, right. that's not good. That's very sinister. She's having, was it Rosemary's baby? Well, sort of, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. So I, I liked all of that. It was very exciting. I was like, for a show that kind of started a little slow, these last two, those last episodes were really just cooking with gas. But I do agree with you. The flashbacks were, and then it like the costume designing for that too. Ooh. I was like, where did you get those outfits? Like, well, starting on the wigs. Oh my like god! Whatever like they every... had left over at Western Costume, that's what. Or they Party of... City. God. Yeah, I feel like I could have costumed these people better. Like it's it's bad when I when I notice the costumes, that's bad. It's bad. I never notice that stuff, but yeah, the production value in the flashbacks is pretty terrible. Um, but the stuff with her, especially when she goes up against the witch hunters, and I was like, dude, see, this is why you shouldn't be a witch hunter. Because if you go up against a witch and you can kill her easily, she wasn't a witch. And if you go up against a witch who really is a witch, you're going to be dead. So it's like... <laughs> well, you know, I mean, this wasn't exactly a brain trust here that we, we have the, the uh, witch hunters. You know, I mean, seriously, it's like I think they had the collective IQ of a squirrel. Um, it was it was just really really sad. A, a dumb squirrel with that. A dumb squirrel. Yeah. yeah, but they died beautifully. <laughs> they died beautifully and very bloody. It was great. So I cheered really loudly when they all died. I was like, yay! <laughs> um, but it 
it really showed Rowan's power. Oh, and then the boss re- did the big reveal where he's like, oh, yeah, I'm with the bad guys. Like, I liked, because, uh, what is it, Cyprian? What is that dude's name? The black dude is Cyprian. Cyprian. Cyprian Greaves. <laughs> so when he's in the car and his boss is like, doesn't take him to Rowan, it's like, oh, we're going to do this thing where we watch because we're just watchers now. We don't actually interfere. And so we're going to just hang out here when all the murders happen and we're just going to observe and let the prophecy come to be. And he's like, wait, what? And so that was pretty, I mean, we all knew that there was something up with that guy, but I liked that they were just like, he was just like, you know what? This is what it is. So that was cool. Any other thoughts before we move on? Nope. All right. Next up, we're going to talk shrinking and this was this this has been like such a surprise for me is how good this show is. Like I, I don't know what I was expecting it, but it feels very Ted Lasso-y. Well, it's from literally from two writers. Is it the same guy? Yeah. Two writer producers of Ted Lasso, including both of whom one has won an Emmy for acting and both have won Emmys for best comedy for producing. Huh. So Oh, no, I think I, I did know the uh, the 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 mean coach or the mean player on Ted Lasso is one of the executive producers. I did know that Roy Kent, yeah, uh, Roy Kent, yeah, yeah. Uh, that would explain it. <laughs> anyway, so it gives me that warm, good feeling. Like after every episode, I and Harrison Ford has definitely gotten better with each episode. Um, I like the episode last week where he was dealing with his uh it's not alzheimer's it's um uh, parkinson's parkinson's so he was like confronting his fear of telling his daughter about his parkinson's and and like really do de- and he has like this shouting match with what's the black dude's name oh uh, the black kid yeah i can't remember his name uh, sean well, yeah so they were because sean was having a freak out and he like breaks down the freak out for him and it's like he has his own freak out and it was a really good conversation. And he's like, look, you need to deal with your PTSD and I need to deal with telling my daughter about this Parkinson's. And uh, and it's like, how about we do that at the same time? And I like he was like talking to uh, talking to Sean. Yeah, Sean was like, this guy's way better than you are. Why is he not my therapist? And, J- and, and Jimmy's like, in the room. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy was like, oh, yeah, you're right. He is better than me. Uh, so that was really pretty cool. Um, I would say one of the things I love about Bill Lawrence comedies, he has a knack for casting a great ensemble cast. Yeah, this cast, cast is so good. And I love that they started mixing up how they paired the cast because right. Krista Miller Lawrence, you know, the, the Budinsky neighbor, Mrs. Bill Lawrence initially was an antagonist and then they pair her with Gabby, the black shirt. And now they're besties. And now they're yeah, besties, now, which is awesome. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. And 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 then the dad, everybody was like, oh, your daughter's falling for Sean. He's like, no, it's not possible. It's not happening. And, and then he hears his daughter go, she's so beautiful. And he's like, holy crap. And he doesn't know how to react to that. And that's all great. And I like this week's episode where it all kind of comes to a head. Well, the thing that's I interesting is they kind of telegraphed it because when her little friend made a pass at Sean, like early in the season, he's like, that's not happening. And just, and when the daughter makes a pass in this episode, she said, he tells her, you're a kid. 
I mean, I oh, love that. I love the actor and the character because he's haunted, but they they're keeping it fairly grounded in reality. And right. I, I just well, love noble. how they're approaching it. Um, one of my one of my former students was in the uh, the famous scene by the piano. By the way, <laughs> ah. oh the the heaving! Oh, the that was heaving. so gross. Nobody <laughs> said it was a scene out of The Exorcist. It was so gross. <laughs> Evidently, they used something fruit based. Oh, no, not I didn't better. need to know that. Not it better. smelled like a smoothie. Not better. Did not need to know that. <laughs> but uh, I, used to, I wish oh. they'd use Ted McGinley better. They just use him for like the, for a, like a, like a drunk one-liner or. I oh like, yeah, he's. I like him. I like their. He's their terrific. He's, I, a, no, no. he's he's the next door neighbor guy yeah, that the, 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 the Harrison like, Ford thinks there's a waiter. That was so yeah, funny. I, I think that I, I can't. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm like speechless. Uh, the show makes me feel stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, the best shows should do that. Um, but that beautiful line or that beautiful kind of a double gift of of just really, you know, legitimate humor, you know, the the two, um, his therapist's best friend and his neighbor, like becoming besties, you know what I mean? Over the last two episodes have been fantastic. Um you know, again, I mentioned it a little bit, a totally different way uh, with the rookie. I love how they're grouping people together. You know, the, those okay. two. And then, uh, you, I mean, I, I could go on, but I don't want to waste time. The point is that between the comedy and tragedy, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. serving that up so delicately. And so neither one outshines the other. It's nothing is so um, sad or so difficult to absorb or it's not nothing's a downer. Right. Uh, and then it's not so happy that it seems unrealistic or, you know, and that's okay too. There are comedies out there that are just straight up comedies, you know, and, you know, with a little bit of poignancy, but this show does a beautiful job maintaining the tone of, of both of those types of shows, melding it beautifully, doing a great job with both sides of them. I think every actor in their role is great. I don't see a squeaky wheel. I don't hear a squeaky wheel. And Tom, I understand what you're saying about Ted McGinley, but I think we need some of those types of characters. I, I don't think I could deal with every single character being given to me as the lead or having the same weight or, you know, balancing the same, you know, exact same amount of weight as the other person. That's too much for me to watch and too many stories to follow and too many people to care about. So he is like a one-liner walking joke where he walks into a The Dormouse from Alice in Wonderland. Yes, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. And that's okay. I, you know, like I said, I use this word all the time, texture, nuance. I want that, you know, I want a painting, you know, that isn't just, I'm not just focusing on the still life in the middle, right? I want to deal with a light coming through the sunlight and a crease is in the curtain in the background, like the wood stain on the table where the, you know, the fruit is, uh, fruit bowl is. I think the show not isn't it's not perfect necessarily, but it would be I would be very hard pressed if someone gave me one of those questions like, well, what don't you like about the show? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, is it the best show ever? No, because that's Ted Lasso. But like, (laughs) (laughs) but like, you know, it doesn't surprise me in the least that this is the same, you know, team. And the last thing I will say is this. Um, This is what you know it's an office place comedy right with the whole all the stuff they do in the therapy office you know that has so little to do with therapy right and everything to do with humanness and sitting around the coffee uh, the kid their kitchen area 
and them all relating as humans and you know and we know that therapists are humans you know so i love that little like insight behind the you know if because a lot of i mean inherently therapy is so very individual including for the therapist so to have this sort of um practice where you know it's all shared sort of and they have a place to kind of you know you know meet meet and talk and this and that it's a wonderful first of all uh it's a wonderful vehicle for us or for the show to to give us that but because you know we see a lot of therapy or therapist shows we've seen them in the past and it's one therapist and because therapy is so individual and then you know the therapist is kind of you know as a doctor has to go through it alone you know doesn't work at a hospital doesn't this whatever so i love this approach i think it's a great way to focus on the human side of the therapist and stuff right okay okay, okay. Good, so good no, no 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 i want i want to bring up one point that we forgot oh. which is the the cliffhanger at the end of the newest episode where oh my god uh, I was just like, oh, he's comforting her or she's comforting him because he vomited all over the place. I knew it was coming. I I did. I mean, it was the way they were standing. Yeah. I was like, wait, they're not going to do that. Yeah. I knew it was coming. I didn't know it was coming, coming. I did. I I did not at all because that they didn't, they, I don't feel like they set that up. And so for me, I mean, you know, it's kind of coming in the scene. Like while you're watching the scene, I right. can give you that. Right. But if you had asked me two episodes ago if this was, I would have been like, no way in the world is that happening. When and, when, when she went in for the like best friend comfort kind of a thing, it's it's not only a trope, but it happens in real life a lot. Oh, no, I'm not disagreeing. No, no. no so I'm, that's why I said, I said that. in that scene. Yeah. While we're in that scene, no, no, I absolutely I meant like agree. A, I meant an episode ago, right? When when the, she was like like an episode before when she was like, I'm your best friend. You know, I was her best friend. I know this. And blah, blah, blah. I was like, uh Oh, you know what I mean? Like I, I didn't know, no, but I was like, Oh, is this where they're going with that? And so, because like I said, it happens in real life a lot, you know, when, when people lose a spouse. And but I, I know, but it was just very weird. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Tom, go ahead real quick. No, it's just, yeah, it was a surprise, but I'm like, this is not going to end well. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. It's going to be horrible. Yeah. It's absolutely going to be horrible. Yeah. Anyway, because they just don't have, there's nothing There's nothing about them that says they should be a couple. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk Carnival Row. And I watched, Carnival Row hasn't been on for two or three years or something crazy like that. And so I watched the big long recap to tell me what I missed or don't remember. And then I watched the first episode. And when I finished the first episode, I was like, huh. I don't care about any of these characters anymore. It was such a weird, and I don't know if I should have maybe watched last the last few episodes of last season instead of a recap, but whatever connection and what I liked about season one was just missing for me. So I'm going to let Allison, who did like these episodes, talk about it. What did you think? Did um, you feel attached to all these characters? I did. I first of all, I I was very grateful that they ha- did have a uh, a lengthy and detailed uh, previous yeah, yeah. on sequence, exactly, yeah, uh, yeah. which was extremely useful because although I did remember uh, some of the highlight stuff, there were secondary stories that I had just completely forgotten about. Um, right. And I have to admit that you know one of them I I don't care about at all. Uh, That's the, which is, uh, is the kind of. That uh, guy that gets on the ship with his girlfriend, right? That's yeah, it's it's oh my um, God. the the uh, 
Imogene Spurnrose, I think her her name is, and he's he's Agrius. He's a fawn, and the two of them, their storyline, I just don't care. I would not like to care, a little but bit. I do not care at not all. Not even a little bit. And and her <clears throat> crazy psycho brother, I also don't care about. And it's it's. I wish they would kind of dump that and just concentrate on the main storyline because I do care about Orlando Bloom's uh, character um, Philo and and vignette and their relationship and and the relationship going on in in and all the the politics and everything that's going on in the bird. Um, so all all of that stuff is is interesting to me. Um, I love the look of the entire series. Oh, it I looks gorgeous. I it's, agree. It's yeah. amazing looking. And I, the thing is, I really want to be immersed in this world. And I think that they do a great job of actually doing that. I want to compare it actually later um, with another show that has an interesting looking world that they don't do anything with. Um, <laughs> and their, their world building in terms of, of, of this and Carnival Row, I think is great. There's just so much potential and, and so... Well, Such a I will I will tell you realized the moment, world here. The moment where Philo is like, I'm just gonna tell everybody he was my father. And I was like, okay, what does that accomplish? I don't understand. And so he's like, well, it'll derail my brother. I was like, well, maybe. And it just felt like one, it felt petty. So it felt like a petty thing to do. Yeah, like but it also also, Go I ahead. think it's it's the the nature of what their world is supposed to be based on, which is that you know there is we we see a very strong class system, and if you right. go according to that, then he is he is the older brother and the actual rightful heir. Even I mean, you could argue about that since he's a bastard son. Yeah, but, I was about to say um, that, that that doesn't really work if he didn't marry your mom. Yeah, and but, also she's a fairy, so that like disqualifies him twice. Exactly, but um, you know, he's he's banking on there being that that relationship, and also the the I think the outrage, well, not the the shock that would happen to find out that you know his his father had had this kind of a relationship, and True. let it get to this point. Um, so because he, he is so highly placed in, in the society. So I think it is this attempt not only to grab for power on his, his own so he can make things right the way he believes it, but also to cast a, a sense of chaos over things deliberately. He, he, he wants to shake things up. Um, I, get I don't it, think it's just, that it's the greatest just, idea. Thank but, you. Thank you. That but, was my I, I, but I can understand where he's coming from with that. Yeah. Once he get, he he set out his master plan, I was like, "Really? That's your plan?" And I just was like, "Meh." Well, of course, so. it gets derailed anyway because Vignette has her own ideas and her her own plan, which also I I I would say was not exactly a master plan either, um, yeah. and didn't turn out particularly well. Well, you mean um, robbing the train, or which one? Uh, well, the robbing the train happened in, in you wanted us to talk about. Uh, oh, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. First two episodes, and robbing the train, you know, has consequences that that. A lot of people got beheaded because of that. Um. Yep. That's it was a problem, um, especially since she said no one should get killed, and it didn't really work out that way. Nope. Um But uh, yeah, they, you know, the the in in the episode in the second episode. Philo tries to carry out his plan of announcing himself and he gets undermined because Vignette and her group break in, um, kind of 
sort of hold people hostage while they they present their their issues to the group, you know, and how bad things are. And part of that is is by taking the wife of one of the the pixies who was suffering from this disease that only affects them and she's dying of it and she looks like a mess and they bring her as she's dying into this into this group to try to say this is what you're doing to us and uh, she ends up just getting shot as a result from one of, by one of the cops. All hell breaks loose. Um, Philo has to go running for it, so he never gets to do what he wants to do. And now the the upshot of it is that the the Fey are in even worse shape because now that they've shown that they they are they could potentially attack the elite in the city, they're locked down even further, and and some of them you know are are killed and decapitated and their heads are put up on spikes. Yeah, that I was about to say the, yeah. the way that they have that head thing so that it can kill as many people at once. I was like, that's just ambitious. <laughs> so anyway, let's move on. Um, but I, 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 you know what I'm, what I'm saying is I, I think that there was a, a lot of, a lot of potential with Carnival Row. I really enjoy it. I, I like the, the characters for the most part. And I think, there would have been a lot more to it. I think the second season, they're they're burning off as fast as they can, like two episodes at a time. And they did give him enough warning that this was going to be the last season, that they're wrapping things up, and it already feels kind of rushed. And that's a yeah. shame. I think, I think, I mean, I guess in this atmosphere, when everything is being canceled before it goes further than one season, I should be grateful that it, it got a season two at all. But yeah, it is. I, I would have liked to have spent more time with this story and with these characters. All right, let's move on. Uh, Allison's giving a thumbs up. I'm like, meh. I give it a meh. <laughs> but that's not a thumbs down. So there you go. <laughs> All right, next up, we're going to talk about Hello Tomorrow, <clears throat> and this is a show for Apple Plus, and it is basically the 50s but the 50s version of the future so think like the jetsons cartoon but live action and that's all that they did like they didn't actually write a story they literally were like what if we lived in the jetsons and so they did this beautiful set design this beautiful like uh models of what the technology would be like you have people going to work on jetpacks they have robots in the house cleaning and it's a hundred percent like the jetsons and then our main characters are shysters con men who are trying to sell condos on the moon and i'm like okay but what's the story because in the first episode they t they reveal that they're absolute you know con men that there are no condos on the moon and they're just swindling these people out of their money. So I was like, all right, so now what are we, what's the point? What are we doing? Like, what's the story? And I, I should know that when you give me a pilot, I should have an idea of where we're going or give me a question or something. And this show does not do that at all. No. So no. I finished the first episode and I was like, oh, that was nice, I guess. And then I turned it off. I was like, I was done. Uh, Allison, you watched more. What did you think? Yeah, I'm I'm up to episode four because I was just hanging in there hoping, hoping against hope 
that something would happen, that this, there, there would be some kind of world building and, and something kicking in, something to tell me, okay, you've created this place, this time and place that's so weird. And, and now you've got to explain to me why this particular story needs to take place in this particular place. And they never do that, at least up to season Other than, up, other up than the condos on the moon. Well, the con- but you know, I mean, it, it, you you could just change could that. Right. You could just change that to selling timeshares in Boca Raton. You Absolutely. know, I mean, there's no, there's literally no reason why it could have been. You just you just excise the moon. You know, take out the robots and the and the the cars, and it's it could just be the fifties, with the one exception. And this is what and and I don't. I mean, this is how bad their world building is. They they really don't have world building actually. It's they've mistaken set design for world building um, is that we have this, this future fifties, but at, and, and, and at the same time, women still play the same gender roles that were, you know, in, in the fifties, but there's no racism. The institutionalized know, right? racism that marked that era is, is absolutely 100% gone. And that would be great if they explained it to us, if they said, okay, well, you know, this is, this is why this is, and this is when this is. I don't even know when this is taking place. Is this an alternate universe 50s? Is this a future where they well, just it has to be an alternate, using the 50s? It has to be an alternate universe. Well, it but... doesn't have to be. It could be like sometime in the future where they just aesthetically decided to recreate the 50s or it could be a, a, a computer simulation or it could be a, a Truman show situation where this is an artificial world for a TV show. I mean, it could be well, any I of mean, those. That would be way Don't more interesting than what it. is happening now. Exactly. <laughs> any of those things would, if they just took the time to, to tell us when is this taking place? Where is this taking place? Why is this taking place? And they yeah. never answer any of those questions at all. All they give us is a rote story about a bunch of con men. Actually, the, the I don't think that the the main uh, the regular people who are selling this know that the this is a con. But the guy in charge, played by Billy Crudup, does. Um, there are no there are no timeshares or or communities on the moon. Um, there, but other I mean, other than that, it's like why am i watching this they're, that's why I, I tapped out the world at all and it, no, it's, but let's let's wrap this up though yeah that's, it's I mean, just it's all just really it was kind of like a heartbreak for me because it when i saw the trailer i was like oh my god i have to see that that looks so fascinating and talk about wasted potential i mean just yep. just flushed right down the tubes i am i am very frustrated and annoyed with this show because it could have been fantastic and then they just did the most boring thing they could with it. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk Star Trek Picard. And this is season three. We are back with, uh, with the cast. And they brought their... So far, we have four of the main Next Generation cast that have been reintroduced. And it's a slow roll at a reunion. Um, and the premise is Picard gets a message from Beverly Crusher, who's in a firefight, but it's a distress call and come help me, but don't trust Starfleet. And no so problem. he has to figure out, I know. And he's like, what? 
So now he's got to figure out how to get there, you know, how to commandeer a ship without commandeering a ship. And uh, I will say the biggest thing is the captain of the Titan is <laughs> such a douchebag. But he's great. Well done. And being a douchebag. Well no, but, <laughs> but his entire career is based on playing douchebags. That's his. That's Who, the actor? Yeah. The actor. Yeah. He's great at it. He's always fantastic. That's why he always gets cast in those roles. He reminds me of when they brought in Ronnie Cox for the two-parter when Picard goes undercover, the torture episode. Right. And right. then one of the first things he does is tell Troy to get into a regulation uniform. I'm like, yes! <laughs> yeah, but I didn't have that same reaction with this dude. Though. Oh, well, the thing is, you got to admit, it was fun for him rubbing their faces and all the crap they've gotten away with. <laughs> Yeah, but then he like gives them instant quarters. Like, what the heck? They had that was guys. awesome. That was that was funny. Especially putting funny. Riker on the top bunk. Well, you're not gonna have Picard climbing up there. Franks is a big. The first time I met Franks when I worked at Paramount as a junior exec, I'm like, he's he's Wookie sized in real life. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's like six five. That's like a double. <laughs> but when they put him in the top bunk, I was dying. Come on, let's just let's 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 talk about the the elephant in the room. Go ahead, Beverly. When they get to Beverly's ship, he's in suspended animation, and there's a mid thirties dude with a British accent. Who's I? Why does he have a British accent? Apparently, Why? apparently, genetic, a British apparently. accent is genetic. It's genetic. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was like, wait a minute, why is he British? Sent down on the Y, sent down on the Y chromosome. So but, but, you know, but, yeah. hair loss is on the X. British accent from the Y. He introduces y himself thing. as Jack Crusher, and then all of episode two, Riker is going to Picard. Doesn't? Are you not going to talk about this? Yes, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. And then finally, at the end of the episode, we get the big reveal. Which everybody and their little sister already knew. figured out. Yeah, yeah. they're 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 totally channeling Star Trek Two in so many ways. Which, if you're gonna steal, steal from the best Star Trek movie. Sure. And sure. I was okay with it. I was like, my whole thing was, I was like, well, obviously this guy is Picard's son, and I was like, I'm okay with this as long as they just tell us quickly. Which yes, they did. They yes. did in the yep. episode yeah. two, and you know. gotta, and Amanda Plummer as the new villain, finally a villain who's interesting. Yes, yeah. thank you. She's oh crazy, crazy. She's, yeah. she is wonderful. Oh, she's, well, you know, again, she, she, she excels at playing crazy. And I, just the way she was relishing that role. Oh, my <laughs> God. Smoking she was, she was like, oh, she was, she was like eating up every single line of dialogue, you know? I mean, it was, it was wonderful to watch her. And it I'm sure, I'm sure on another plane of reality, Christopher Plummer is smiling down because he played General Chang in Star Trek VI. Oh, and my two, gosh. He set the template for Star Trek villains. Oh, I wonder, I wonder if the writers, producers oh, they like, had that in mind. They know. Yeah. The, the showrunner was a PA on Enterprise. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, for me, you guys have touched on a lot of stuff. I, I love the look of the show, and quite frankly, I thought this was kind of sort of what we were going to get when we got Picard, when I heard about Picard. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I know In it's, the first place, right. Yeah, you know, I know it's still the same 
energy is discovery and you know a lot of action and this, but that's what i want you know what i mean like you know i i wouldn't have minded a whole series honestly uh you know of of the you know the og you know what i mean right yeah exactly. you know og crew doing their og thing with a lot of like you know senior jokes and old people jokes and like you know oh that was so great he was like he was like well my knees don't work and your hand doesn't work. So we're going to tote us like, so as long as they don't come in here shooting and I don't have to run, we're going to be great. As yeah. long as we don't have to run or fight, we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I'm down with all of that. I would have, I would have put up with a season of that, you know, callbacks to the original show and jokes about their, you know, their, the, the, that kind of stuff. So that made me actually a little bit sad. I was watching this and I thought, ugh, I was like, why didn't we get this to get the get go? Because um, yeah. that wasn't the version of the show that got Patrick to come back. I know, I get it. I mean, I know why. And listen, when they started with the first season, uh, I, I wasn't against it. Do you know what I mean? I like, you, you know what I'm saying? I did enjoy it. But now that I'm in season three and I'm getting this, sort of in hindsight, I'm kind of like, yeah. Oh, this is, yeah. this is better. Oh, and the best entrance ever goes to Worf. That was an awesome yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was so good because I was getting, I have to say, as much as I like Rafi, her on her own doing her spy thing. Oh, I don't like any wow. of it. No, and I was boring. just like, I am bored. bored. I'm so, so bored. bored. So bored. And then, and then Worf showed up out of nowhere, and I was like, Oh, okay, well, I'm you, in. You hear I the can voice be interested first. in this now. You hear yeah, the voice I first. <laughs> I don't mind it as long as it was much shorter. You know, like we, it was little snippets right. here and there. And then they're expanding that story with her husband and the son, and I was like, Wow. Yeah. You're going yeah. in the wrong direction, guys. You're going yeah. in the wrong direction. Yeah. Well, I agree. Make it smaller. Yeah, second episode, I was like, dude, there's too much of this. Too yeah. much of this. Yeah. I started rolling my eyes. I was like, come on. I want to be back on the ship. Yeah. I'll be back on the ship. I mean, and I didn't then... mind it when she was like chasing and then she was like warning them, like, guys, I think there's going to be a terrorist attack. I think, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I loved all yeah, of yeah. that. You know what I mean? Right. Anyway, so we're we're definitely saying two oh, yeah. thumbs up. Still yeah. Yeah. First yeah. Episodes, yeah. I really liked. And his genetic British son is great. Right. I like the actor. I do like the actor. I think he's doing he's a good, good job. Oh, he's I good. love him. He's from um, Downton Abbey. That I love Correct. that show. And I saw right, him right. on that. And I thought, oh, who's this cutie? And then I thought, that's right. I was like, Downton Abbey, it came to me. So, no, I, I like the casting as well. I could very much imagine him. British accent or no, I could picture him as as Picard's son. I could. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it All was right. Well, let's Hot tip. Move on. If you watch the Ready Room episode, you get the first time ever the Crusher brothers talking. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. That was actually really good. And they were like, oh, we have the same space bomb. and space brothers. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of cool. Uh, next up, we're going to talk the Nevers, which was like a weird surprise drop of the second half of season one of the Nevers. And what I did is I watched episode five and six again. And I was like, oh, my God, this show is so good. Oh, good. Like, it's so good. Like, I was like, I kind of like I remembered that I really liked it. Of course. But when I watched episode six again, I was like, holy crap, this show's amazing. I and... like five and six so much. I forgot to watch the, the first two new ones. So <laughs> I'm going to check out here so that I don't get spoiled. So bye, guys. I'll be back. Uh, Allison, um, I know you've watched way more than me, but I, yeah, I, I, I I'm through the whole thing. I wanted to pace myself because I didn't, I love this show so much. I didn't want to burn through it like all at once. I wanted to savor it. Um, and so I watched the first two 
And then I think I watched three, but we're going to talk about the first two. Yeah. So that's episodes technically seven and eight. Um, and what I liked is, okay, so we're at the end of episode six. We have, they made a, uh, they, they had a big fight at the, at the underground dome where the alien Galanthi is. Thank you. I remember the name of the alien. The Galanthi is, but it didn't really work. And then they got ran out of there. And then this episode, what's happening is, is the Galanthi apparently are like sending um, true messages. And the messages are like uh, flashes of her life as the woman's body that she took over, which is really bizarre, but it's trying to tell her something, which I was like, wait, she has a bun in the oven is what I figured out later. But <laughs> cause I was like, why is she rolling bread? Um, because the Galanthi, when they showed us before they were freaking huge, but the one that they show in this episode is tiny. It's like a little baby. Mm-hmm. So I'm figuring that the Galanthi just like had a baby or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my guess. Uh, so the messages were from the, as from, as far as I'm understanding the messages she was getting were kind of from the Galanthi trying to tell her something, but she was getting weird flashbacks and, and a weird flash forward of a battle sequence mixed in with her battles that she had. But then it looks like a future battle with this red door. And she's like, what the heck does this all mean? And it's really interfering with her because before she get a flash here or there, but now it's like happening all the time and there's these earthquakes and uh everyone's like what the heck and the first episode basically ends with this whole like uh what's her name mary ruth what is that woman's name is ruth um Uh, yeah yeah, she uses her powers to break the shell of the galanthi and let it out and they, they were trying to kill it but then she didn't kill it and then the roof fell in and it's a whole thing but Allison, your your thoughts. What what did you think of the first episode? Okay, well, um, I I want to say because it it is this has become very hard for people to find. Um, so that I, I want to say, um, that you know if there was ever a show that was treated uh, unjustly, it was the Nevers. I mean, you know, they didn't even get to finish their first season before they were, uh, you know, taken sort of off the air, and the back end was promised us forever and then when it was finally delivered it was only via um tossing it over to to Tubi, Tubi with Tubi commercials TV. yes Tubi TV yeah. with commercial interruptions and um i mean it's kind of a mess just trying trying to locate it and then and then Tubi isn't even just streaming it normally they're showing it at, at like in marathon groups at a specific time and I'm I'm just going to say, you know, if if you know torrent it, to torrent it, yeah, that's that's your best bet. Um, it was certainly mine, and and I I as much as I wanted to savor it, I blew through the whole thing, and I was up till like five thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I was just you know watching the whole thing. Uh, I, I going back to the first app. Um, there was a lot going on. It picked up directly from uh, where we saw what happened before. And now um, we, we have a, a situation where Amalia has to explain to everyone at the orphanage what her real origins are, who she is, oh, where, right. where she came from and all of that, and, and what the Galanthi is, and so that everyone can get up to speed and be on the same page trying to Help you know, one, one thing that frustrates me is she does give this speech and tells everybody. And I was like, where was Ruth? Because Ruth obviously didn't hear the speech. 
because she gets manipulated. No, well, Ruth is off on her own. She's she's not really she's not really part of the group, part of the right. group so much because remember her her special her her power is it's that, that her, destructive. She can, yeah, she can destroy things with her hands. She can suck the life out of things with her hands. She did that with her with her infant, and she's kind of been mentally scarred because of that ever since. Right, right. So, but um, it was just weird to me because she makes this big announcement, tells everybody. But what also frustrates me is by like the second episode, everybody's like doubting her. I was like, really? She goes, I'm an alien from the future here to save the world. And here's my evidence. And she tells her story. And then one episode later, they're like, well, should we just wait around for her? Or maybe we should do stuff on our own? I was like, guys, really? Like, well, part of the problem is that, you know, there's uh, people who were in the city who the purists who want to destroy them. Um, sure. I mean, yes, they obviously, yes. So they're they, you know, on the one hand, yeah, that's great. They they, I don't think that they doubt what she's telling them so much as they're doubting whether they can just sit around waiting for her to lead them into what you know. And what also, she's not next. there. Yeah, yeah she takes not. off. That's yeah, it. She exactly. Yeah. She runs off, and so it's like, are we supposed to just sit around, or are we, we going to teach ourselves how to defend ourselves? And I and they right. they go toward the ladder. Um, right. I remember one of the I just, I just happened. didn't feel and I just didn't feel the faith. That's all. They they it felt the very short lived faith in her. That's mm, all. well. Um, I I think another thing that happens too is that um, uh, what's her name the the girl who can't who speaks like a million different languages, none of which is English. Um, she goes running off at one point. Decides she's going to to be like Amalia, and she dresses oh, up she's gonna like help. her. Yeah, she's, gonna, yeah. she's going to defend the touched on the outside, and she doesn't get very far in this before you know she's she's almost killed by this one girl um, and kills her accidentally. You know, she really the girl right. was a victim of her own. You know, yeah, it was self defense. Uh, I mean, even... yeah. So it was, it was. She sort of fell on her own knife, is what really happened. But she's right there, and so we got Ruth coming in to take the fall. She, she looks like she is. She makes it look like she's the one who killed she the girl, did it, right. and they arrest her for it. And then at, you know, she's she gets roped into going to the Glanthe to and trying to kill it to, to try to kill it well to crack they want her to crack open no the, they want her to kill dome. it yeah they want her to crack over the well, door they, they figure that's going to kill the galanthi who's inside um and instead what it does is it causes a cave-in and almost kills everybody who's actually in in the tunnels um well what i will have to say because i don't want to give plot by plot by plot point i just want to hit the the main things which is once the cave-in happens, you have the brother and sister who have had, she very much, the sister who's in a wheelchair, she very much acts like she's his mom. And she tells him everything he has to do. And she controls his life so precisely. And he lets her, and you never understand what the dynamic is between them. So they finally do a flashback and show you them as kids and what their relationship was like. And the thing that broke their relationship, which is, she burns down his apothecary thingy that he has and he gets angry. I, we well, think. not a, not apothecary. He calls it an aviary. Aviary. And what Thank he's you. doing is he's vivisecting birds inside right. it. And but she, I, what I like he, to, I, she's appalled by it, but yeah, because she thinks was, he's killing these, but he, right. he tells her he, isn't. he, yeah. he just found these birds and this is what he's, it's still kind of creepy, but he didn't, 
kill them, or, or at least if right. we're supposed to. No, believe it's not. Him. It's not a serial. It's not a serial killer kind of yeah. behavior. But he's curious, and so he doesn't. And the fact that she just, without real explanation, just burns it to the ground. It's just like, dude, what are you doing? It's his most valuable thing. Like that doesn't make anyway. So what that breaks their relationship. And then we go to the present and he's trying to rescue her. And he's like, look, I saw you trying to kill all these people. And then you had all these other people with all these injuries that you were experimenting on. He's like, what the heck is going on? And she won't tell him anything. She's just like, do what I say. And he finally is like, you know what? I'm done. And he leaves her there to die, which is fantastic because I love the very next scene where he's just like, oh my God, what have I done? Is she dead? Is she dead? Is she dead? He goes, oh my God, what if she's not dead? And so it's just, I just loved his panic going back and forth. I thought that was great. But I just want to just hit on the story is going somewhere that feels really interesting. And it, I was afraid that these new episodes wouldn't feel like the last episodes, but they do. So I was very happy about that. And I just want to wrap that up now because we got still one more show yeah. to talk about. No, I think the, the, the one thing I would say, though, is that, you know, you said the, the, the relationship between the brother and sister was broken during, you know, because of that. And it wasn't just because she, she burned that down, but because we also see in flashback, he reacted to it by pushing her um, exactly where we're, we're not really shown. But the, the fall resulted in her ending up in a wheelchair. Correct. And so I think that that really defined the the way their relationship is now and why he's always like so, so shy and, and subservient yeah. to her, why he, he allows her to push him around because he carries around this guilt that he's the one who put her in that chair. And so right. he's and that he can't be somehow he cannot be trusted to do the right thing because that happened. And so I, th I think that that is what defines who they are. Well, now. absolutely. But I, overall, I mean, I, I thought these were, these were great episodes. I am, you know, really into it. I, 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 you know, I, like I said, I did, I did watch the whole thing, so I'm not sure whether I the whole malady no, no, thing no. comes back in, in the first two episodes, but that would be the, the only thing that, that I would say doesn't really work in the series is the malady stuff. All the other characters I think are wonderful and I, you know, really i i i am so upset that this is all we get of them that is very true all right let's move on uh lastly we're going to talk about the last of us and i want to i mean there's so much there's so much that happened in these episodes you have basically a two-parter where they get to uh kansas city missouri and they have this um rebel group that has taken over and they talk about when people have an insurrection and they take and they overthrow a tyrant, they become as big a tyrant as what they took over. And I think the story of the two parter is actually really good. It's just that the villain that they have, because they deliberately hire a woman who basically looks like a kindergarten teacher, and they have her behave that way. But then they also have her be vicious and ruthless and just mm -hmm. killing people left and right i don't think it worked for me personally i don't i didn't buy her as what they were selling i think the rest of the story worked really well like her henry running away and their alliance with henry and the beats with uh joel and ellie 
all of that stuff was great. I just didn't quite buy the villain. If Melanie Linsky hadn't been in a season of Yellow Jackets, <laughs> so we saw a different side of her, I don't think it would have worked as well. It worked for me. It worked for me. And it's interesting because there was pushback. Like some supermodel said something nasty online and Melanie yeah. Linsky clapped back at her. But I thought she was great because she looked like a kindergarten teacher, but she's freaking vicious. Which oh, is, she's absolutely vicious. Which is scary. Yeah. For me, though, the heartbreaking part was uh, the, 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 the black deaf boy. Was it Sam? Sam, yeah, and, Sam. Sam is a little boy. Sam, and Sam Allie, yeah. And then after this big fight where where Melanie Lynch gets, gets dispatched by... By a child clicker, which was By, awesome. by a child clicker. When they get back to their to their hiding their hiding place, Sam reveals to Ellie that he got bit, and so she cuts herself, hoping that her blood could possibly cure him. And sure enough, was- it doesn't do anything. He goes after her, and his his brother has to put him down. And then his brother freaks out and takes his own life. And it's like, oh my gosh! It was just, I mean, what's really interesting is this two parter kind of is a really good entrance for somebody. I mean, it's a short season to begin with. They're only doing nine episodes total. But it was it was just kind of a little microcosm of how this show is not The Walking Dead and how they're really focusing on character development and these relationships. And man, just when you think Pedro Pascal and um, I'm blanking on the girl's name. Bella Ramsey. Oh, yeah. Ramsey. Ramsey. Just when you think they can't get better... Hold my beer. They they raised the bar because <laughs> episode the next episode was even. It's like oh my gosh, I'm I'm gonna tag in somebody else because this show is thrilling, heartbreaking. You get all the feels. Absolutely, it, it really uh, is. Allison, go ahead. Yeah, I I'm I'm loving this show, and I have to say, I did not watch Yellow Jackets, and I thought Melanie Linsky was fantastic in that role she did work for me because uh, just just because they cast against type and i've seen her in so many other things and i remember i couldn't remember what her name was when i was looking at her but i'm going she always plays a nice person <laughs> she's she's like she's always like a school teacher or except for the stalker on two and a half men <laughs> okay well i guess i missed that one too but she she's usually cast you know and because she looks really sweet she has a little tiny voice and yeah so, I get and, what they were going for. but yeah. And and well, but it worked for me because I thought, you know, that's, oh, you're expecting a certain thing from her. And then she's she's just absolutely ruthless and sociopathic. Well, the, point, the point that they were trying to make is that anyone can become a monster. Yeah. Is that she started out as a good person and her seeking revenge for her brother's death is what makes her this monster. Right. Well, yep. it's, it's the whole, you know, look too long into the abyss and the abyss looks the back gift. thing. Yep. Um, and, and that's what she did. She, they, they, they went to all this trouble to get rid of a horrible regime. And then they turned around and, and they became just like it, um, which is the, the pitfall of, of revolutions, you know, to, to not become the very evil that you were fighting against. And they kind of didn't, accomplish that but it was it was a fabulous episode and on all counts the the both the the human aspect of it and also the oh my god and those clickers that that the clickers came out of that hole where you see the the, the huge truck just collapse down into the ground and then the next thing you see after a beat after she's you know about to shoot henry and suddenly 
I mean, they came, they came pouring out so fast. Oh, it was so it great. Was terrifying it was absolutely terrifying and the the little girl clicker was brilliant i mean that oh, yeah. was because you have to ask yourself you know it's it, i mean they, i know they set up the thing with the preschool it's like eh, what happened to those kids well um but you have to you know one thing that walking dead almost never addressed is that there would be lots of kids i mean lots yeah. of children would be affected by this well to be thing. fair there is the the kid at the very first episode, they do have a kid walker. In walk yeah, you, that one yeah. child that he kills in episode one. Yeah. You never really see kids after that. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, there would be, there would be a lot of them because there are a lot of children in the world. Uh, so it was, it was, the, the thing is they, they do deliver the scares and that was brilliantly shot. Yeah. But and that floater was so terrifying. That, that was, was great. scary. And, but you, what, what, what really distinguishes this show is is the human aspect because i mean we can go whole episodes like we like we did with the uh with the third episode and we, about bill and frank and and that we did in in the most recent episode where yeah, no you don't even see uh, if you see them it's like very minor or we don't see any at all um and, right. it, and it's just the the interaction of he, of human beings with each other and i think that that is so much more affecting and works what, so much better. I, I want to talk about the last episode real quick, which is <clears throat> this episode, the focus was really that um, Joel is being consumed with fear. And he's been, the whole time he's been going through this apocalypse, he's been pretty fearless. You know, he's just been going through the motions, just survival. But he's now being paralyzed with these panic attacks because he realizes that he cares about Ellie enough. He has a father's fear of not being able to protect her, not being able to keep her safe. And it's literally paralyzing him. The, the and it's, it's so good. The, the Go brilliance. I watched the interviews. They, you know, the little at the five minute after show thingies they have the brilliance is Ellie gets security from being with Joel Joel does not get security from having to protect Ellie. It makes him anxious because he can't. It makes lose, him terrified, right? Can't lose another daughter figure again, and that juxtaposition. And oh my gosh, the, the, the chemistry between these two actors. She, when she is an adult, she is going to rule the world. <laughs> what she did as a child and what she's doing as a teen, and she's working with some of the best writers and directors in the business, man, I can hardly wait to see what she's going to do. Because the, the way the two of them affect me, I was I was almost bawling after the last episode. <laughs> oh my gosh, especially when, that she, kind of... especially oh, when she discovers that he's he's injured and she puts, he manages to get on the horse and falls off. And she's like, I don't know what to do. Right. <laughs> like you, feel, you feel all of that. Ugh. I mean, what's so good too is that conversation where you know she overhears that he's trying to dump her on his brother mm -hmm. and, and even the conversation with his brother where he's just like look dude i can't i cannot do this and he's like i'm waking up in a cold sweat realizing the only thing i remember about my nightmare is that i failed and he's like i cannot do this and and when ellie confronts him about it that conversation was so good because she tells him you 
you're, you know, everyone in my life has left me. And he's like, you don't know law. She's like, what do you mean? I don't know law. Oh, when she, yeah. she, she reads him the riot act. Woo. Oh yeah. He's like, he's like, you don't know what loss is. And she's like, wait, it's just like, no, save it you for her Emmy, her, her Emmy reel. <laughs> wow. So I really love all of that. I love his, him trying to overcome that fear because he does genuinely care about her. And then you have the little notes of that I really liked in the episode, which is when they get lost and they stop at the cabin with um, that couple. Best couple ever. Graham Greene and Elaine Miles. Oh, my God. That was so good. Power she was, couple. He was, yes. He was, she, he was like, wait, did you feed them? He was like, eh, I already made the soup. <laughs> <laughs> That was so good. Like everything about that conversation was hilarious. So you have this great comedy bit that they do at the beginning of the episode and then you end in a tragedy. Yep. Perfect. It was perfect. Uh, Allison, any thoughts before we wrap up? On this I just, last episode? I, I thought that the whole episode was brilliantly structured. Um, just everything. And especially, you know, they do so well when it comes to little cameo roles, the casting of these, uh, of Graham Greene and Elaine Miles as this couple was was just so great. I don't think I've seen her in anything since since Northern Exposure, and and I'm looking at her and I'm going, "Wow, you came all the way from Alaska for this?" Uh, <laughs> no, well, they shot it in Alaska, actually. This Did they really? Okay, well, there you go. Well, not okay. in Alaska. It's shot it's shot in Canada. Excuse me. It's shot okay. in Canada. But I I just I I thought that they were absolutely great. They got Rutina Wellesley from uh, True from, Blood. From True Blood. Um, yeah, she was good, and she was in it. I mean, it just you know they get these wonderful actors for for these these little moments, these little cameos, and it's just it's it's just so perfect. I mean, the casting for this show is so great. Um, I I will I I do want to bring up the one little flub when I was I was looking at them crossing the bridge. Uh, apparently, I, I'm looking at it and wondering. Are, are they going to be jumped or something? Because there's like a hundred footprints ahead of where they've already walked. <laughs> and apparently yeah, so I was, the crew, I was, the crew so, was before them. <laughs> I was so, I was so hung up on the footprints. I didn't see that the film crew was, on the, was standing on the sidelines <laughs> until I saw that thing on YouTube. And I just, I just laughed. It's, it's one of those little gaffes that I think it, it reminds me of the bit with um, Game of Thrones when they left the Starbucks coffee cup. cup. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and oh my god, what's hilarious about that one is how all the cast were pointing at each other about who left the coffee cup. Like that became the big It's your fault. Big, yeah, they were like, it was him. <laughs> yes. Anyway. But it's one of those things that that fans actually love because it's 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 a little funny gap that ends up in the show. But other, blame, other than that, I, I just love the whole thing. I blame the VFX people. They should have saw that. That is a thing. You're supposed to go frame, you're supposed to go through your shots. Looking for, I, though I will say, I cut a scene and I watched that scene 2,000 times. And on the 2001 time, I was like, is that the entire crew in the reflection of that window? Oh. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap. But I caught it and yeah. then I marked it and I was like, we have to erase the crew out of the window reflection, please. Thank you. But you can watch it a million times and not see stuff. So. I do. Well, I, I imagine when it gets to Blu-ray, the crew will be erased. But yes. for right now, it was just a really funny thing to to see. But yes, and it, it amused me that I didn't notice it either when I was watching it. Well, see, that's how it gets missed. Yeah. 
All right, so thumbs up, Last of Us, fantastic. Yes. Please watch, it's so great. All right, so um, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can leave them to the campfire, you know, follow us on Twitter or Facebook. You listen to us on sci-fi.radio, Six Degrees of Geek, iTunes, and we will talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.